Beyond politics and above religion, a moral authority exists known globally as the ageless wisdom. It's the study of consciousness, the mystery of awareness, which cannot be measured, yet will not be denied. This podcast from Michael Benner's Wisdom of the Soul class features weekly lessons in metaphysics, mysticism, and esoteric philosophy. Those who attend live and free of charge on Zoom may also participate in group meditation and Q&A. Register for our newsletter at michaelbenner.com. Welcome to the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School with Michael Benner. Okay, Uh, good morning everyone. Thanks for being here. This is the Wisdom of the Soul. Uh, I've lost track of, uh, I think it's 24. And uh, we're going to continue today to speak a little about intuition. It's such a wonderful ability. It's such a grand alternative to logic. And it's about listening. And uh, yet, as we've talked about in the last couple of classes, which voice are we listening to? Remember, we have the ability to apply our logic. and We talked about deductive and, and inductive logic. Most of the chatter in the brain, most of the voices that we're hearing, especially the ones that are full of negativity and and the ambiguity that actually even argue with each other. These are intrusive thoughts. They're from the unconscious. And it's it's just absolutely imperative that as we study the mind and develop the mind, that we begin with this basic separation. And brain researchers, as I suggested a week or two ago, are using the term task-related thinking, TRT, and task-unrelated thinking, T-U-T. So a task-related thought, of course, is something purposeful and deliberate. I'm going to read this. I'm going to memorize this. I'm going to write a letter or make a list or um, make a decision and our attention is focused on a particular task. And, of course, we call that thinking, and it's usually a matter of logic. However, (laughs) when we stop doing that, that's when the monkey mind kicks in, the intrusive thoughts, and we call it thinking. But it's really not. It's a good time to feel like you're a victim of your thoughts. You really are. But the core of becoming aware, expanded awareness, higher consciousness, dare I even say enlightenment, is realizing that beyond logic and beyond intrusive thoughts, we are the awareness of our ability to think. We're not those thoughts. In the same way, our emotional nature, which we'll talk about quite a bit today in using intuition to discern the meaning and the significance of emotions. You know, we can say, well, I feel this way, or I'm very emotional about this, and it's understandable. I think I feel. Uh, Remember Descartes, for that matter, 
I think, therefore, I am. He based his whole idea that he existed on his ability to think. It didn't occur to him. Didn't have exposure, apparently, to Eastern philosophy. That he could be the awareness behind the thought. And that awareness allows you to go, well, this is monkey mind thinking. My thoughts are not applied to a particular task, so I should expect it to be full of negativity and and fears of inadequacy and self-doubt. That, <laughs> that's what it does. It thinks it's protecting me. It's uh, fear-based because it's part of the whole fight-or-flight response that allowed us to survive and, and evolve to this point. So we've all got this sort of hair trigger. We are the awareness behind our thinking and behind our feeling. And to go to intuition is to use deep relaxation to quiet all of that, task-related and task-unrelated, so that the still small voice of intuition speaks, and it will reveal the meaning of your emotions. It'll tell you uh, why you're triggered, what it reminds you of, the last time this happened, and reveal to you in a very beautiful way, like unfolding or blossoming, the uh, patterns in your life and put you at choice. Melinda and I were chatting here before class about remembering that we have choices. That's such a go-to thing to do, to say to yourself, I have choices. Even if you don't know what they are, it's okay. I, I haven't figured out what my choices are. And the second point is there are always more choices than are immediately available. But just to say, I have choices. Wait a minute, I have choices. I may be a victim of my task unrelated thinking. I may feel like a victim of my feelings. But instead of obsessing on the external world and feeling like it's being done to me, we gently shift our awareness to the response. That's who we are. We can choose our responses and substitute equanimity, you know, uh, even-tempered, well-reasoned responses for those uh, reflexive reactions that uh, often become so regrettable. And uh, let me just say, I know you know this, but it bears repeating Positive emotions, joy and happiness and contentment, satisfaction, belonging, uh, feeling safe, relaxed. These feelings don't need to be interpreted. They are feelings that say the positive feelings say, just keep doing what you're doing. You're on track. Everything's okay. So you don't have to process a positive feeling. It's the hurtful feelings. Negative because they hurt, but they're actually very rich and filled with wonderful information such that uh, when we avoid feeling a hurtful feeling, we're missing the message. And uh, you don't want to attack the messenger, right? Don't kill the mailman because he brings you bills. You need to address the bills. <laughs> so... The negative emotions are actually your friend. They're alerts. They're warnings. They're trying to let you know that something is askew, that you're off track, 
Warning, Will Robinson, warning. And how do we do that? Because logic doesn't work. That's where the intuition comes in. I have choices. And my first choice is to relax, breathe, and open my intuition. So uh, we'll do this today. So if you get comfortable in your chairs and... uh, Sit back, feel the chair supporting you, close your eyes, and just bring your awareness, eyes open, wide awake, back in the room, feeling better than before, wide awake, back in the room. I hope you enjoyed that. When we go to questions at the top of the hour, They can be comments, of course, and you can talk about the experience of meditation, how it's going for you. Just share an experience if you don't have a question. The the interaction is important. I really value it. That's why I'm doing this live. And again, I thank you for being here. All right, so uh, let's focus on the actual process here of listening to our heartache, using intuition. The process is so deceptively simple that it makes it difficult to describe and discuss. It's just so easy to do. The secret is the deep relaxation. Let me describe it this way, give you a little visual to go on. If you consider, we were talking about this before class today, it's real important to keep in mind that in a spiritual sense, we are of one mind. The universe is a mind. It is awareness of itself. It is whole. It is, I mean, universe, the prefix una means one, so it's one thing. We've always known that. Even if there were multiverses, it would be one thing, right? Like layers or or bits or elements or pieces. One orange, you open it up, there's all these sections in the orange, but it's still one orange. You know what I'm saying? We have two hands, two legs, but we're one body. The universe is one thing. It's one mind. That's what consciousness is the awareness behind our thoughts and feelings, that's the mind, consciousness. It's not the thinking, it's not the feeling, it's not the decision to take an action or reflex. Those are all subsets or manifestations of mind. But the mind itself, ultimately, at the root, is awareness. As incarnated beings the majority of our part of that one mind, what we would call our mind or my mind or in my mind, that is mostly unconscious. You've always heard we only use 10% of our brains. Same thing, 10% of the mind. We don't really know what 100% is. So 
that's sort of shot in the dark, but it's just a way of saying, look, we're mostly unconscious. And so, just like an iceberg, it's really only the tip of the mind that is aware of itself. These are not two different minds. It's, it's, it's our part, our portion of the one mind, most of which is unconscious. And only this little tip of the iceberg is aware of itself. And that's variable throughout the day. When you sleep, you're less aware of yourself. We may say, well, they're asleep, they're unconscious, but an alarm clock would wake them up. So, or, you know, somebody shouting fire, (laughs) uh, that would wake you up. So some part of your mind is conscious, even though you're unconscious, right? The conscious mind varies throughout the waking day as well. We could be sort of spaced out and somebody has to ask you the same question two or three times before you go, huh, what, you talking to me? Yeah, man, where were you? Oh, I, I, I was just thinking, out there thinking about something. And we all know the experience of... Uh, sitting at a traffic light that's already turned green and somebody's got a beep on their horn to bring you back. Think about routine uh, trips that you make around town, wherever you happen to live. You often find yourself driving on the same road, the same path. Uh, Next time you find yourself doing that, make it a point to look for that which you have never seen. You drive this road every single day. And you know a few things along the way, but most of it you've never seen. You've been by it a hundred times, five hundred times, a thousand times. And gosh, I never noticed that. I never noticed this. To notice what you notice don't you see, takes it to the next level. To notice that you're able to choose what you notice (laughs) is to develop your awareness. So begin to look. And then it might cause you to wonder, well, where have I been that I'm not noticing, that I'm not looking? Well, that's the hypnosis of daily living. And, And where is our attention? on this pedantic drumbeat of unconscious and mostly negative intrusive thinking, the monkey mind. It demands so much of our attention. We're missing life. You're missing your whole life when you listen to those voices, those phantasms of the unconscious mind. But the problem is The unconscious mind and the brain doesn't know the difference between something that is real and something that you fear. And it believes your fears and your worries are real. And because of the way the mind works, basically you reap what you sow, you 
go where you look, you get what you expect. The mind then begins to generate evidence that you're right. Now, here's proof you should be afraid. And we're off to the races. This is most people most of the time. This is the source of all of our suffering. To break the cycle, we have to become more mindful. We have to notice, be aware of noticing, notice what we notice, notice that we're able to notice, notice that we have choices in what we notice. (laughs) It's like you slide behind the driver's seat, put your hands on the wheel and say, I want to live my life in the present moment. It's the only thing that's real. One minute ago and one minute from now, a day ago, a day in the future, however far you go away from the present moment, right here, right now, those are all thoughts. The past is a bunch of memory and recollection, but they're just pictures in your head. The future is nothing but images in your brain. It's not even real. And that's where most people live most of the time. Dreaming. I swear, I think this is the reason why zombie movies, vampire movies, Walking Dead, uh, uh, TV shows and films are so popular. We don't realize that's the animal side of us. But unlike many animals who are able to live in the moment, We have this, and I really think this is what it means to be made in the image of God. We have this ability to reflect. And what do we reflect on? The present? Not very often. You can eat a meal and not pay attention. It could be a delicious meal, a nutritious meal. And Two minutes later, push yourself away from the table and walk away and you realize you never tasted any of it. It's a tragedy. It's not just a problem to be solved. It's a life to be rescued. Dare I say resurrected. Hmm? How about salvation? These words have a much more profound meaning than what we've been told. So how do we do it? Well, you know how to meditate. We've been doing that for weeks. And we'll continue to practice. There's sleep, there's wide awake, and in the middle, meditation, where your awareness is most available to you. If you're asleep, you're pretty much unaware. If you're awake, as I've just discussed, you're pretty much unaware. What you're aware of is not real, the past and the future. But when you meditate, it may be the only time that you're really in reality, right here, right now, not being the thinker or consumed by the emotion, but the witness, the watcher, of your thoughts and feelings, your behavior. Imagine initiating behavior. 
never doing anything that's not deliberate and purposeful. Unless, you know, we are reflexive in, in case there is a surprise or a danger or something surprises you. And our decision to drive on freeways, to drive automobiles on freeways, that's just, it gets normalized, but it's just so stressful. Such a terrifying thing to do if you think about it. Such a dangerous thing to do. And that we do that routinely just creates so much stress and anxiety. So the feeling arrives, even though it hurts. These are the ones that need processing, the ones that say, warning, alert, uh, you're getting off track, there's a problem, and the hurt is just a symptom, just a way of getting your attention. Logic will fail you. You've noticed that thinking about your feelings doesn't work, gets you nowhere. You're just spinning your wheels. Because emotions don't come from reasoning. So the, the, the key of reasoning will not unlock that door. You can analyze forever, judge, <laughs> obsess on the stimulus. Why would they do that? Why is this happening to me? Ruminate. Oh, my God, rumination. Asking the questions that have no answers, like, why me? Boy, you want to create some real depression? Ruminate. Ask yourself questions that have no answers. Why is this happening to me? Why does this always happen to me? This isn't fair. And on and on. You know that junk. You know it well. However, when we go into these meditative levels of focus and relaxed attention, the expanded awareness that we then promote allows us to hear the intuition, the still small voice of what? The soul, the higher self. I was raised Catholic. We were told we had guardian angels and we could pray to all manner of saints you could pray to the Virgin Mary. There's one of the basic prayers in the Catholic Church. There's only a handful. Is to the mother of Jesus, who surely is immaculate and uh, sainted and, you know, part of the board of directors in heaven, I guess. We can pray to the saints. Um Others have uh, their own idea of spirit guides or even animal spirits. Shamans deal with animal spirits. I don't know about this. I'm not here to tell you what's going on in that regard. I just know that there is a unified, <laughs> harmonious, truthful, gentle voice of wisdom that's available to us in this class. This whole series is called The Wisdom of the Soul. The soul is the intersection of spirit and matter, of energy and mass, 
of the father and the mother, so-called father spirit, mother matter in the middle. If you've been with us since the beginning, we went through all those trinities. The middle is where the mystery is. The mystery is in the middle. The secret is in the center. This is the intersection. I talked about our negativity and our feeling of separation and abandonment accounting for our obsession with the animal nature and our fear that that's all that we are, who and what we are. Always tempted, not interested in virtue. Well, we're also fascinated by superhero movies, and that's the other part of who we are. We're sort of strung out between zombies and superheroes because these are the two poles, the two aspects of who we are. The zombies are hateful, mean, nasty, cruel, animal aspect, all coming out of fear. And our interest, our intrigue around the superhero and the hope that somebody is going to come and save us from all of this, it's us that's going <laughs> it's us. The second coming is you, coming to save you and contribute to the whole world waking up and realizing the superhero is in us, the divine, the truth and the wisdom is in us. So it's available to us. We talked last week about the rain cloud of knowable things. This is another way of talking about the home of the oversoul. But you have to consider that the soul is not only indwelling, but overshadowing, standing above you, that it extends itself. It's like the one thing, the one God, extends itself into the, the, the plane of all souls. Those souls incarnate and extend themselves. So you're not a human with a spiritual nature, you're a spiritual being with a body. Turn it around. And then you realize that whether you call these guardian angels or spirit guides or the saints above you or Jesus or the Father himself, I'm not interested in disabusing you of your belief system. I'm saying honor it. Stand open and receptive to this downward impress, this precipitation of wisdom, of insight and understanding, the illumination of the aha experience, the thoughts that arrive full-blown, don't you see? And the way you do that is to go into a meditative level and have a dialogue or a conversation with your feelings. All right, so here it is in a nutshell. Go to a nice meditative level. We've, we've done meditations in the past where we have created a place of perfect peace, like in a garden or a wilderness or a paradise of some place, outdoors in nature, babbling brook, little pond, birds singing, perfect sunny day, a place of ideal relaxation, a place of perfect peace. Go to that place, feeling that you're pretending and making it all up, just imagining, that's exactly the right feeling, <laughs> like everything else in your life. 
Go to that place, sit quietly in that place, immerse yourself in the safety of nature. And then find the feeling in your body that is hurtful and upsetting. Give it a color. If this heartache had a color, if this hurt, this frustration, this irritation, this feeling of humiliation, if it had a color, I mean, where in my body do I feel this? And if it had a color, what would it be? And without physically moving, just imagine yourself reaching out to touch that colorful hurt and sadness and despair. As if it had texture or temperature. The brain loves this, don't you see? Uh, there's a word, I think, synesthesia. Forgive me if I'm if I've got that wrong, it's like cross-wiring of, uh, it's like hearing colors and seeing sounds and smelling flavors. And you sort of cross-wire an emotional feeling. You, you imagine it having a physical feeling, like, is it warm? Is it hot? Is it cold? Is it lukewarm? Is it slimy? Is it sticky? Is it gooey? Is it you know, smooth like petting your cat. How does it feel? Touch that feeling. It has a color. It has a texture. It has a temperature. Now just imagine putting both palms on that feeling. Again, it could be strong anger or hatred or it could be just subtle sadness and a bit of melancholy. Doesn't matter. Put your open palms in your imagination on this color that now has texture and temperature and ask it silently, internally. Ask the question, why are you here? What do you represent? How can you help me? Use your own words. It's very important that you trust yourself. And so... A phrase I like is, what is my growth lesson? What are you here to teach me? What can I learn from you? What do you have to say? And then listen. <laughs> Turn off the inner dialogue. And it might take 15 or 20 seconds, rarely more than that, before you begin to get a response. And you know how people have said in various situations like this, trust your first impression? That's a way of saying, don't judge it. Don't hold on to it. Don't grasp it. Don't cling to it. Don't cogitate on it. Don't try to develop it with your logic. Just sit passively and let it speak to you and come to you as an insight or an idea through no effort of your own. Just open yourself to the set of all possibilities, right? You have no idea what it's going to say or do. It may represent itself as a character, a being, a person. It could speak to you. It could show you something. Cut your imagination free. But listen, listen. Remember we talked about feed the ducks last week. If you chase the ducks, they run away. 
you have to <laughs> you have to sit quietly and then the ducks will come to you and so it is this insight another great question is when was the last time i felt this way or even when was the first time i felt this way or what does this feeling remind me of all based on the presumption that there is meaning to every single feeling. You're just not going to access it by logic, but by sitting quietly and using deep relaxation to open your intuition, to make it safe for the intuition to come forward and not be stomped on and shattered by intrusive thoughts. And tell yourself, as you understand, that this will be easy to remember. It's a wonderful affirmation. This will be easy to remember. You know, at the grocery store, they always say, don't forget your bags. And what do you hear? Forget your bags. I mean, it would be so much smarter to put up a sign that says, remember your bags. <laughs> don't talk to yourself with negativity. Like, uh, oh, I hope I don't forget. Or I, I better not mess this up. It'll be easy to remember. I'll do a great job. I'll probably do the best job I've ever done. I'm getting better and better. You're programming. Every, every Whether it's deliberate or rather nonchalant and casual, the unconscious mind is listening to everything you say. And, and you're the boss. It accepts that reality. So, gosh, I can never remember. Well, that's just my memory is fading. Brain goes, okay. We can, we can do that. And the beautiful thing about all of this, and we'll go to the questions and comments now, is that it, the intuition arrives with a physical, visceral sense of confirmation, a rush of, oh my God, that's it. Whoa, wow. You get physical confirmation. And then you go put that into your life and everything starts making sense. And then you repeat that, you practice. This is a practice. Remember, expanding awareness and higher consciousness has no destination. You, you just keep going down the adventure, moving down the path, getting better and better, learning more, accruing more experience and more wisdom. But as you get these insights and these answers, even to questions like, how can I remember this? What, how can I apply this in my life? It's an internal dialogue that you have. And you could say, I'm dialoguing with myself. I'm dialoguing with my emotions. I'm dialoguing with my higher self, my overshadowing soul. I'm standing open and receptive to the downward precipitation of wisdom from the oversoul. Try it. No, I take that back. Don't try it. Do it. <laughs> and you'll get better and better and better at trusting. Again, the big lid lifters arrive with such a powerful sense of confirmation that uh, it's very reassuring. But sometimes the really subtle stuff you may want to sort of put on the back burner and say, well, I don't know, we'll see. 
Let me try that insight. That uh, That's an interesting take on why I feel this way. Let me check that out a little further. It's okay to be a little skeptical. But stop telling yourself there are no answers. Stop saying, I don't know what to do. You do know what to do. Whenever you don't know what to do, you now have something to do, don't you see? Which is go to the center between deep sleep and wide awake. Come to the meditative level. And then, even if everything's cool and you don't really have any big negative emotional feeling to work on, you still want to meditate at least once a day. And it doesn't have to be a formal meditation. And you don't even have to close your eyes. You just have to be aware in the moment. And chill out, relax, stare out the window. But as the mind drifts, don't be the drifting mind. Be the still, permanent, unmoved, unmoving, unmovable witness the mental drift. That's the secret. <laughs>